In our study in the book of Galatians, we have been learning that the Bible teaches us that life from the Lord comes through faith in Jesus Christ and not through the law, not through good deeds, not through human effort, but faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus allows us to receive the Holy Spirit, that promised Holy Spirit is depositing in us the guarantor of our eternal life, but also the ability to live life now for eternity. Only Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, God the Father, gives that power. We cannot manufacture it. We cannot will it. We cannot discipline it. It is only through the Lord. Um, Brian and Debbie Williams have been members of our church for a year or so, two years about, and uh, I went and visited with them just a a few days ago and uh, heard a story, a testimony of the life of Christ, the life of God that I just knew that everyone needs to hear this story, and so we want to bring it to you this morning. Hi, I'm Debbie Williams, and I've been part of The Crossing for about two years now. So my, my, uh, the interesting part of my story, I guess, starts about a couple of months ago when I had some symptoms that seemed like uh, maybe pancreatitis or something with my intestine, GI tract. And uh, we went to the doctor, and to make a long story short, in one Uh, a matter of a couple of hours, we found out that it was stage four cancer and there is no cure and it is in multiple places. And uh, I start my treatment tomorrow, my chemo treatment. So my life expectancy went from hopefully another 20 years to being measured in months, which is a big difference. So the first thing you do is you think about the shock of what just happened, what you just learned, and trying to put it in perspective. Uh, my first thought was of my husband, the things that we were hoping to do that weren't gonna happen. You know, everybody wants to take that uh, Alaskan cruise, go on that uh, Rocky Mountain train ride, and the river cruise in Europe. And we were planning those things. And then we realized that wasn't going to happen. But gratefully, within a few minutes, God centered me and reminded me that I was entitled to nothing. That he he has given me everything, and it's been a gift. And instead of thinking and focusing on what I wasn't going to get to do, that I needed to focus on what he's already given me. And that's 65 years of a very full life, full of people that I love who love me, full of faith, full of relationships, and uh, having the blessing of going through the majority of that life, knowing that I had salvation. So that's a big change of perspective. And it's kind of hard sometimes because we, we live in a society of entitlement. We think we're entitled to these wonderful 
how we're going to spend our golden years, what we're, what we're going to get in life, what the experiences that we want in life. And it comes right down to it that we're not entitled to any of this. And changing that perspective of entitlement to a perspective of gratitude for what I already have, what has already been given to me, makes a big difference in life. No matter if you have 20 years, 50 years left in life, or if you have months left in life. So that has been my focus, and it's given me a lot more joy than you think you would have for somebody walking around with stage four cancer. Uh, <clears throat> it gave me a ministry in the hospital. I could talk to the nurses. They were kind of amazed at my perspective, and they were drawn to it because I think everybody in this world today needs some hope. They need a little bit of hope. They need to see something other than the negative. They need to see the joy that you can still have in any situation. And before I knew it, the, the nurses were taking their breaks in my room in the hospital. Uh, they were pushing us to the door. We would have three or four nurses come take us out to the car and wait in line for hugs. They, there's a, the world is craving good news, and we have that in the gospel. And no matter how our circumstances may see, how trying they may seem, we still have that good news, and it doesn't go away. So a good friend of mine who I used to actually work for, who's a pastor, reminded me to preach to myself every day, to say a few things to myself in the mirror, that preaching to others is important, but preaching to yourself is important. And he said, say these words to look at yourself in the mirror and say, God loves me. God is in control. God has promised me that everything in my life will work for my benefit somehow. And then he reminded me to always say, I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the King of the universe. Now, it's kind of hard to feel bad for yourself in those situations. So I'm encouraging you, like I'm trying to spend the rest of my days, to find ways to encourage others, to offer them hope, to let them see you smile in situations that may, on the outside, seem pretty dire to most people. And remember, you're not, we are not entitled everything that we have. Every good gift come from, comes from God. Everything above, come, everything comes from above. And what a blessing that is, no matter how many years you have on this earth, to know that you are a child of God. So our study in Galatians literally supports what Debbie just shared with us. You'll see it clearly at the conclusion this morning. I'm so thankful that we are not saved by works. We talked about that last week, didn't we? The scripture that we studied last week drew us to understanding that when we are trying to work our way to being right with God, we are literally under a curse. And we went through the Ten Commandments. And I think that we would all agree that not one of us are perfect. 
we all have broken at least one or more. Most of us, probably nearly all of us, has broken more than one or two or three or four or five or six or seven or maybe all of the Ten Commandments. When I look at what the Lord Jesus had to say about the Ten Commandments and how he went deeper than the action, I, I realize that I have broken myself every one of the Ten Commandments. But if indeed you thought you were perfect, we went even further with the law and we went down to the simplified things. If you've eaten a cheeseburger, you're cursed. If you've cursed the President of the United States, you're cursed. If you have ever made a good deal, if you ever sold something for more than it was worth or you bought something for uh, less than it's worth, you are cursed. With that effort, you're cursed. And so you can be a good person, but if you've eaten a cheeseburger, if you have broken any of those laws that the, the, these Jewish uh, people were trying to uphold, then you're cursed. There's absolutely no hope. And so there's got to be something else. And the scripture here is explained to us, not only am I happy that I have opportunity because that we are not saved by the law because I cannot meet that requirement myself. I, I'm unable. I'm a broken man. I, I just, it's over with for me if it's by the law. And so I'm thankful for that. But if it was by the law, can you imagine how complicated life would be? Oh, it'd be horrible. It'd be difficult if you really believed it, that you could never make a mistake, that you always have to measure up. That horrible, horrible. I mean, if you struggle with perfectionism, I, I, I feel for you. I personally don't struggle with perfectionism, you know, but if you do, I, I feel for you that everything's got to be right. Everything's got to be set up. Everybody's things got to be in order and everything's got to line out. I, I'm sorry. I, it's got to be a horrible ordeal that you deal with every day trying to rethink what needs to be rethought about how life is and the way things are. But if we were saved by works, it'd be a complicated life. It would not be a love relationship. It would be a horrible relationship. It would be rules are more important than relationship. And anytime you have rules are more important than relationship, it always breeds rebellion. And there would come a point in all of our lives, if we were saved by works, if we were saved by effort, if we were saved by the law, we would get so fed up with it, we would say, forget it. Can't ever please God. And, and we would turn rebellious against God. I mean, that happens in person, personal relationships. Relates between husbands and, and wives. Relates with kids and their, their, their mother and dad. If, if the mother and dad only are concerned with their children following rules and they're not concerned with that relationship with them, that child is going to rebel because we just can't do it. We're going to give up and we'll throw our hands up. And I think that that needs to be understood. And it needs to be understood then. That's why Paul is addressing it. And it needs to be understood now. So some more pieces of information that I think ought to give us those support pieces to help us just live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 15, Paul says, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant. And so that term, even with a man-made covenant, we've got to see that with a God-made covenant, it's even better. Even with a man-made covenant, no one who knows it or adds to it wants it has been ratified. 
And so what Paul is telling these, Gentile, these, these Galatians is this. He's telling them that the covenant that God made with them is a covenant that can't be broke. It's irrevocable. And so the covenant that God made with Abraham is an irrevocable covenant. It doesn't matter what Abraham did or didn't do. It doesn't matter what Isaac did or didn't do. It doesn't matter what Jacob did or didn't do. It doesn't matter. And you can go through the whole line of the whole family lineage of Jesus, and it doesn't matter what they did or didn't do. God was going to keep his end of the covenant. It's an irrevocable covenant. Verse 18, verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. And then Paul clarifies that. It does not say, and to offsprings. Now, that may not be as important to us as it would have been to those Galatian believers who had been steeped in Judaism. But nevertheless, I think it is important to us. It was made the promise, the promise that all the world would be blessed through Abraham, the promise that, that salvation would come through the household of Abraham, Right? It was not through offsprings, plural, but through offspring, singular. And so that lets us know, as it says, it does not say in the offsprings referring to many, but referring to one. So you don't look for the many, you look for the one for your salvation. For the fulfillment of the promise, the fulfillment of the promise is through one, not many. Not through the nation of Israel, but through Jesus Christ, the fulfillment, the promise would be fulfilled through Abraham's offspring. Now, Abraham has a lot of offspring today, thousands, millions of Jewish people. God has kept his promise to Abraham. There is a Jewish people. There is a Jewish nation. But also, we understand that he was the, the father of a great nation that would provide for us the Messiah. And it doesn't matter if you've missed it or not, right? He has been given to us through Christ. And so God keep, keeps his promises. He kept the promise of the one. And, and Paul says that's really important to understand, not through offsprings, but offspring pointing to Christ. You see, the Old Testament points to Christ. The New Testament points to Christ. The next verse. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years after the promise. Now, that's something that people often misunderstand or don't understand, that the law came way after the promise. The promise that the righteous will live by faith came long before the law. It came, it came 430 years afterwards. And since this is what I mean, the law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. And if God ratified this covenant, we can be sure it is going to come to be as to make the promise void. 
Verse 18, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. You will have a son. At an old age, you will have a son. You and you're going to bless the world. And it happened. He kept his promise. You might be asking, then why do we have the law? If life doesn't come through the law, why in the world do we have it? Well, that is answered in verses 19 and 20. Why then the law? He answers it. It was added because of transgressions. Why the law? Sin. That's why the law. The law was given for two reasons. One, to keep us from destroying each other. People got to have law. People got to have some rules or we destroy each other. We destroy each other anyway on this planet. But with laws, at least there is a little bit of subduing the destroying each other. And so he gave us the law. But he also gave us the law for another reason, to keep us from destroying ourselves, destroying others, and giving us boundaries so we don't destroy others, and give us boundaries so we don't destroy ourselves. The law is just temporary. The law was put in place just for a short time, a period, before everything was lined up when all things were fulfilled with the coming of Jesus Christ. And he's the fulfillment of all things. He was, it was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. And it was put into place through angels by intermediary. Now, intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Through Jesus Christ, we are made right with God. And the righteous live by faith, not by the law not by rules. There's something better than the law. There's something better than rules. That is the Holy Spirit living in a person because they believed in Jesus Christ. I mean, how many signs have you ignored this week? Roadside signs, speed limit signs, warning signs on labels, right? How many signs have you ignored this week? Yeah, signs don't work. They don't work. But you know it works. The conviction of the Holy Spirit in us, the awareness of right and wrong in us through the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I don't do something just because I know God doesn't want me to. Now, I'm free to. I'm, I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm forgiven. And I know that I can transgress and God is not going to, he's not going to step on me too hard. He's going to discipline, but, but I don't break many, many things because I just know in here, there's a law written in my heart. And you, if you believe in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, you know that too. It's in you. So it's much better. And he goes on to say in verse 21, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. They fit together. For if a law had been given that could give life, 
then righteous would be indeed be by the law. Man, if we could do it, it would be done. The reason why we know that salvation is not through the law because no one has accomplished it. It is impossible to accomplish being perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. And so life doesn't come through the law. Righteousness doesn't come through the law. Righteousness comes through faith. Look at verse 22. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin. In sin, we are in bondage. In sin, we fall short of the glory of God. Everything is under sin. Look at the next phrase here. And this is the phrase of all phrases from this passage. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The promise of eternal life, the promise of hope, the promise of salvation. That's why Debbie has a testimony that she has. When I left her in Brian's house the other night, I thought, Lord, if, if, if I come down with cancer, may I respond like Debbie. May I have that kind of faith. May I have that kind of strength. How did she get that? How did it come? Because the promise by faith in Christ Jesus is given to those who believe. How does she have that power? Through faith in Christ. It's not a magic wand. It's not a magic formula. It's just faith in Jesus Christ. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have faith that's led you to repentance? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ that has allowed you to confess your sin to God, to repent of your sin and turn 180 degrees and turn to live for God? Have you had that experience where you were living for yourself and you came into a face-to-face -face encounter through the Holy Spirit with Jesus and you accepted him, you trusted him, you believed in him, you chose that you were going to live for him, and, and you, you know that there, has been, there was a mark, there was a time, there was a season of experience in there where you began to realize that you no longer live for yourself, but you live for the king. And you now serve at the pleasure of the king. I'm describing all the ways I know to describe salvation. He became your Lord. He became your friend. He's your forgiver. He forgave you of all your sins. There was a burden removed. There was a void that you had in your heart, and that void was replaced by, by his presence. There, there, was, there was anger, and it's been replaced with more love than you used to have. There was an uneasiness about you, and now there's a peace. It's just that by believing in Jesus Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit, not through your own ability, but through by faith in Jesus Christ. Have you been born again? Have you been saved? Do you have eternal life? Do you know, do you know for sure in your heart that you know God? You are aware of his presence. It's not through your efforts. It's not through your actions. It's not through your religion. It's not through education. It's not through willful, willful desire. 
It's through believing in Jesus Christ. It's by believing in Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me for a moment? And if you have not believed in Jesus, you have an opportunity this morning, an opportunity to believe in Jesus. It's not complicated. There's not a magic formula. It's just saying yes to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you now. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I love you. I care for you. I have a plan for you. What the Scripture has said today, what the, the Scripture that has been read is true. And, and, and you just, you, there's a tug on your heart. There's awareness in your soul. There's just an understanding that you're having right now that you want to believe, you need to believe, you should believe. And, and there is just a slipping away of your control. And, and, and you just sense a great desire to believe in him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Will you just agree with the Lord? Just surrender to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now and believe in Christ. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. For by grace we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not of works, because if it was of works, we could boast about it. We would boast about it. But since salvation is of grace, by faith in Jesus Christ, not through human efforts, but through just believing, believing in Jesus. And believing in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the will changes. The heart begins to change. You become a new creation. In you is develop a heart of worship, a heart of love, a heart of service, a heart of pleasing Christ. You discover that when you believed in Jesus and you received the Holy Spirit, that you discover that you'll do things for Jesus that you would do for $1,000. That you'll do things to serve Christ that you wouldn't do for the standing ovation of 100,000 people. Because you, you've experienced forgiveness and grace and love. And you've, dis you've discovered that there is nothing better than being right with Almighty God. The righteous shall live by faith. Lord, thank you for what you've done today. Lord, thank you for the hearts you've encouraged today through Debbie's testimony. Thank you, Lord, for those who have perhaps come to terms with you today by faith and they're believing in you today. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy. We praise you, Almighty God. You are worthy of our praise today. You have paid the price and forgiven us of our sin.
Nothing better, Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.